This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. <laughs> I don't oh, know. You guys are always complaining about heavy covers. So no, no, no. We're complaining about lack of line of sight blockers. Look, man, we can't give you line of sight blockers to put on the table. So this is what you get. So I, I demand a solid wall right on the center. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky. The man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David. How are you guys doing? I'm doing awesome. Doing well. Um, looking forward to discussing more Star Wars Legion with y'all. You guys, you guys are getting some painting done? I'm getting some priming done. Does that count? That counts. Yeah. Not as much Legion painting as I would like. More um I'm painting Asia Sigmar. Some of you know. Dude, no, fired. Dude, get out. Fired. Fired. Get out. Yep. I mean if you're gonna play a games workshop game, at least play a good one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. You mean like middle earth strategy battle game? Oh, you guys wow. have to cut this because right. this is all off topic. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, I do love those Age of Sigmar models. Those things look ridiculously amazing. Um, they're, they're but this is not an Age of Sigmar podcast. No, this, this is a Legion podcast. podcast, and there's actually not a lot yet, of cool things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, let's just dive right into the news. Welcome to In the News. All right, so uh, the most significant bit of news we have is um, Esmeralda basically sent an email saying no releases in the near future, which I think includes all of April, at least. Uh, yeah. That's the TLDR. Yeah. I mean, not totally unexpected. No, I mean, like, tech, I mean, at the moment, even if they released something, you probably wouldn't be able to go to a game store to buy it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a question of if you could get like an online order through the mail or whatever. Um, yeah, which you could do, but yo, in speaking of speaking of which, I gotta say, our main jam, Huzzah Hobbies, is doing board game deliveries. I just wanted to throw that out there because, like, when I saw that on Facebook, I was like, no way are they doing this. And they're totally doing it. Our game store, hands down, best game store. <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> That's awesome. Board game deliveries. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, people can't come into our store and buy stuff, so we're going to deliver it, hand deliver it to them. I, yeah. I. That's fabulous. No, I'll, I'll buy that too. Matt Alpaca, Alpaca, the local, my local, um, they've kind of offered something similar where you can, you can do like, um, you can do like a pickup, but they don't let you do the, use the game room. But um, Mm. the owner there, you know, if you're local, uh, sometimes he'll be able to, to drop stuff off. It's not like anything formal, but um, I mean, yeah. So I think like um, kind of they're operating it like a, you know, like a restaurant where you pick something up, but the dining room's closed. Sure. So in this case, it's like the game the, the game room's closed, but you can still 
if you order something and get it delivered, you can pick it up, but not stay. Yeah. And that's kind of how they're adapting to the whole um, little thing that's going on with the pandemic. Yeah, businesses yeah. are adapting. Board game delivery, that's a new one. That's pretty awesome. That is really cool. I, I, what's cool is you can get pandemic delivered during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, so my, wife, my, my sister bought me pandemic for Christmas. And I finally opened it up. <laughs> and then this, uh, this stuff with uh, Corona hit. So. so it's your fault. Understood. I guess I guess I should have opened that box. Oh man. T- TLDR. Yeah. David is responsible for Star Wars Legion minis not being available in totally May. You're welcome. Yep. Uh at least I didn't panic buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> Just go buy like sixteen ATSTs. Yeah. I need, sorry, I need like two years of ATSTs. Right. There, there didn't need to be any panic buying for us to sell out of phase two clones, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're good. I don't yeah. think they I don't think they counted on everyone wanting four of them. Um anyway, uh yeah. Almost as valuable as toilet paper. Almost. Um <laughs> so <laughs> uh, hopefully hopefully everyone has toilet paper. Um Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry if you don't have T P right now. Yeah, we are sorry. Um hopefully maybe you got a bidet or something. Um or hose. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, right. no new releases until at least May. <laughs> no new releases until at least May. Um, and uh, yeah, not super unexpected. You can't. I mean, for the most part, you can't really play Legion right now, anyway, in person. So, um, yeah, get that get that painting backlog cleared out, um, and check out TTS too. Someone yeah, was I'm passing out a meme. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, no, Mike. You're good. Okay, someone was oh, passing out a meme of Morgan Freeman um, saying he did not, in fact, paint his miniatures. <laughs> 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 Even though he has weeks in isolation. <laughs> I'm almost bored to start painting. Bored enough to start painting. There you Let's go. Well, yeah, I, think I, got, I think I got like two more days in me, and then I'm going to be like, all right, I can't play another video game. So. Um, you know, priming is painting. Priming is a kind of paint. It's a kind of kind of painting that I do with a spray can. So <laughs> <laughs> I do most of my painting with a spray brush. So there you go. Um, all right, uh, let's move on. Um, so uh, our colleagues at Fifth Trooper, Zach and Mike, uh, that would be Zach Barry and Mike Cirillo. Not to be confused with Mike Barry, right? Just to be clear, right? Which is you. Um, <laughs> uh, they are doing a like Legion Sports Talk live show. Uh, I think they're going to be doing this about once a month, and the first one is um, as you're hearing this podcast tonight, Tuesday, um, at like eight something ish. I don't know the exact time, but uh, I'm sure it will be posted on the various interwebs. And um, please check that out. It should be fun. They're going to have a super special guest for the first episode. So. <laughs> you are unbelievable. <laughs> um, it's going to be the most handsome guest they've ever had. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> it's the only guest they've ever had. Because it's there their first go. show. <laughs> so I guess that makes it true, right? Yeah, yeah it makes it true. Absolutely. I don't know, I'm looking forward to, to listening to it. Uh, it's something that Mike and Zach have had 
uh, planned out for a while. So they're finally uh, getting it off the ground. So I'm yeah, really think, curious about it and want to tune in. I think ideally they want to do like call-ins and stuff like that, you know, like Larry King live, but Legion. Um, so, <laughs> and we've got David Zelenka on the <laughs> Republic line. Republic line. <laughs> uh, yeah, got so, a standby uh, token just for you. Uh, you can scouting party with Obi Wan. Your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of scouting party, um, how about we talk about the main topic today? We're gonna we're gonna jump right into uh, talking tactics with vital assets. Get ready for advanced tactics. Um. So yeah, vital assets was one of the things that was delayed until indefinitely. Uh, but awesome. <laughs> well done, Kyle. <laughs> but we do have the cards um, in electronic form. Those were uh, spoiled on stream uh, on the Fifth Trooper Network on Saturday. If you didn't watch that. You should watch it and also subscribe. Sub, excuse me, subscribe to our YouTube channel. First um, notorious, now subscribe. Really, hey, you know what? I look, man. My mastery of the English language is not complete. I have three year old. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you over six million forms of communication. English is not one of them. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, check that out. Um, you can. Uh, of course, proxy. Well, your vital assets is is in the mail. Um, I would say, at least in the context of sort of the competitive scene, uh, if you are a tournament player, you're going to want to buy vital assets. Like, I, I think we can say that a little bit more strongly. Um, if you're a competitive player, buy it now. Yes, pre-order it now. Yes, yeah. like get it do not pass go until you do so it is wrong to not get it i mean it's <laughs> confident insane yeah, yeah i mean it's it's uh you know priority supplies added three cards to your battle deck this one adds nine um and they're all very good objectives for tailoring to a specific list and facilitating a deep bid so um yeah you're gonna want this um, let's talk. Uh, do you guys want to talk real quick just about how we anticipate this affecting bids before we get into the specific cards? Um, so, sure. So I think that, um, I mean, you kind of already alluded to it. Bids bids should get higher or lower, depending on how you look at that. Um, but they should get, they should be stronger just generally. Um, you now get, what is their eight cards in each category meaning you get to ban half of the cards in the format if you're a blue player yep. before bans happen um, being able to ban 50% of the f the possible um, field settings is a pretty big deal um, <clears throat> you would need a pretty flexible list to not want to do that um, and even then I think you probably still do I think it's possible that you could build a list that's kind of objective agnostic. Um, I think we're still in a, even with the addition of these cards, I think you still have enough. Um, I think you have enough flexibility in some formats of lists to, to not bid deeply. I think you could 
still get away with a small bid, small enough to defeat other lists that also brought a small bid. But then just expect that in some percentage of your games, you're going to have to play what your opponent wants. And you sort of just try to try to use your red player, you know, last veto to, you know, finagle a situation where you're comfortable. But I do, I generally, I agree with you, Mike. I think that bids are going to get deeper. Um, we already saw that blue is powerful enough to warrant like eight or nine point bids. I think you could easily see 12 becoming a new thing. Yeah, I think you're going to see like 12 to 15, honestly. Yeah, yeah I mean, I... So my biggest concern with building a flexible list that has a very low bid is um, the ability to build a skew list that is functional because of its battle deck is going to be a very real possibility. And I'm not sure a flex list can hold up under those circumstances um, if the right objective cards come up in the right places. Um, That is a big challenge. yeah, we, I mean, we can talk about that more thoroughly as we kind of go through this, but I do think that um, lists that are flexible are considerably threatened um, in whatever this meta ends up being. When when there's when there's twenty four battle cards, it's just straight up harder to make a list that is actually flexible. Yeah, because there's so New- many there's so much more tailoring available to each player that like. You know, like right now, it's like, well, if I get this one objective in there, it's going to be tough, but I can manage and I'm happy with the other four. Um, But if someone is, you know, choosing from eight objectives and they're cutting four of them, those remaining four objectives are all going to be like heavily tailored to your to their list. So, you know, if you're trying to play a flex list, you're not going to be in the situation. Well, I can live with three of these and one of them is bad it's going to be all four of these are bad right. kind of situation and that, that's really the the issue that you're gonna run into and and i think for that reason as we're going over these cards i think people will start to realize that when you're building building a list you really are going to need to be building with a game plan in mind um i don't think like flex gun lines are dead but i do think that they need to become a little bit more focused and that like 10 to 11 activations with a you know force user or whatever um you you kind of need to build a little bit more more focused than that i'm of two minds on the subject and and this will be the last thing i say before we want to actually dig into the cards themselves um i it is my sincere hope that we don't end up in a, in a world where um, the lists that you build are going to be, or sorry, the lists you build, you're sort of hoping that your bid is higher, right? Like you're, sorry about the, the, the little thing, but uh, the, the pro, what I hope doesn't happen is you show up to a tournament, you've got your 12 point bid, and then someone shows up with a 13-point bid. And then their 13-point bid gets everything at once and murders you. And I hope we don't end up in a situation like that where bid determines the the outcome is my is my fear and hope. Yeah, I mean hopefully hopefully we don't get to that point where it's just all about all about bids. Um, but we'll see. Several of these cards are 
very favorable towards certain types of lists and very unfavorable towards certain other types of lists. Um, much more so, in my opinion, than like the original core set and priority supplies objectives and other cards. So um, we'll see. But I, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it makes turn zero a lot more interesting. I mean, I think <clears throat> um, I think people should just be ready for bids to grow. I think what you guys are <clears throat> talking about um, is like a nice idea, but b- bids are going to be a thing. People are going to have to understand that if you lose the bid, you may have just lost the game. Like we're, key positions was one objective when the game came out that was very auto win. We saw with how that warped it. I think that there are several cards that we're going to talk about that are maybe not as strong, but they're close. In in certain matchups, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and they are reasons to bid hard. Um, that again, maybe not a hundred percent of the key position idea, but you're all, we're also talking about lists that also have access to cards that are maybe 80 to 70% as strong as key positions, but they have access to multiple copies, mul- multiple cards that are each that strong. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it shakes out, but I, but I do think that we're heading that way. People should just be ready for it, and that, that's, that is what it is. Yep. All right, so let's go through, let's dive into the cards here. Um going to hit objectives first. Uh, so we're going to talk about essentially how each of these cards tends to affect the game and play out, and then um, what sorts of builds they favor and what sorts of builds uh, they do not favor. So let's start with the hostage exchange. Good grief. Hostage exchange. Notorious. Say it just once. Notorious. I said it. I said it at the beginning of the cast. I got that word down now. I'm good. I said it like sixty times now. I think I'm. You know, the first forty were questionable. Um, <clears throat> hostage. Hostage exchange. So, this is one of those objectives that you read this, and then you read the hostage card, and you're like, "Huh?" Um, but it makes it's really not that complicated once you actually get it on the table. Um, essentially it's like recover supplies, but there's only two boxes and each person has a core unit that starts with one in the center of the table. It's kind of the short version. And the boxes are force pushable. Well, boxes are always force pushable when they're claimed. Well, sure. But like, eh, they're not always claimed, right? Well, hostages aren't either. They are when they matter. Well, yeah, sure. And they are at the start of the game. Um, but yes, so this plays out like a brawl over the middle, um, and it strongly favors units that can a do that right brawl in a tight location, and it also favors units that can um, either perform moves with your opponent's units like Force Bush or Server Master Well or Vader's Might, um, or just perform free moves generally with your units like Smokescreen, No Time for Sorrows scouting party, um, pull the strings. Uh, so something that is very common to all of those things are force users, right? Um, yeah. Force users both have force push usually, and also are very good at fighting 
uh, scrums in tight areas, usually. Um, and then Rex is also sort of uniquely good at this because of scouting party. Because um, your hostage dude gets a free move at the start of the game, which helps. Um, what's that expression you're making there, Mike? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, was, I was just double checking to make sure it worked the way you said it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah. Um, okay, so... Um, I think I think the the short version of this objective is if you do not have a force user with force well not necessarily with force push Palpatine's pretty good at this too whether he's got force push or not but if you don't have a force user and or if you don't have Rex you want to cut this this is the short version uh so I think that there's one more category there and that is Iden incapacitated oh incapacitated very yep. good against this card yep totally. Good point. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right. So yeah, if you don't have Iden or a Force user or Rex, you want to cut this. Um, is there any other situations? Mm. I don't know. I think that, that generally covers it. Yeah. I mean, there is like, so hostage, um, you know, there's only two, there's only two objectives and there's a situation fairly common situation where each player gets their objective home safely and you're essentially tied on victory points. So hostage also emphasizes the importance of extra ways to score victory points like bounty and secret mission. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have particularly secret mission, maybe you can keep this in with certain deployments, you know, while everybody's fighting over the middle, R2 just kind of trundles his way to victory. Yeah. I was about to say like every rebel list has that essentially. Yeah, most um, of them are running R two right now. So, right. I mean, I I do think that it's worth mentioning that all of these new objectives are um, low point scoring objectives and often go to ties. Yep. Accurate. Um, unlike some of the other, you know, they're not like intercept. You know, where there's you know a two to four point discrepancy a lot of the time. Um, the, you know, these are going to be a lot closer to sabotage or KP games, where you know the the difference in victory points at the end of the game is zero, one, or two. Yep. Yeah. These these all of these missions are good with secret missions specifically, and also to some degree with bounty. Um, secret mission being, of course, slightly more reliable than bounty, but depends um, on who you ask. That's true. Rebel scum. <laughs> um, yeah. So well, that, that's, that's hostage. Better, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you got any, do, you, do you guys have anything else to say? About I mean, hostage? I just want to say, like, you got to remember that this the hostage card gives you immune enemy effects for one turn. Just, for, just for the first turn, but yeah. Just for the first turn. So you have, you have some time to run away, right? You're not um, completely screwed right out the gate by a scouting party or something like that. Although... Your hostage is definitely going to move backward, I imagine, with the scout move that Rex will give them. Yeah, I mean, so when you place your opponent's hostage, you get to move them, which I assume you would would move towards your your own side. Right. Um, And then their speed is restricted to one. So if you don't have any extra way to get moves and you're moving your hostage as quickly as possible, they're going to end the first turn merely speed one from the center of the table, which is still essentially like 
in the center of the table. Yeah, they're in the middle. Well, I mean, it's so gonna be on your side of it's going to be on your half of the table. Speed one from the middle. No. Right. Y yes. Um. I so I think there there's a world here where clone Overwatch is really scary on mm -hmm. this objective. Um. I I think personally. Yeah, because you can use the standbys to get extra moves out of your hostage unit. Yeah. Yeah, I think clones in general are very good at this objective, um, not just because of scouting party, but also because of that and because yeah. they often have R2. So it's like the triple whammy there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, this objective seems like tailor-made for like a Kenobi clone list. You know, if you throw a, a phase two with Overwatch down with the hostage, all of a sudden, you know, you can just <laughs> if anything walks into range three of you you're like later <laughs> yeah peace and, out uh, <laughs> i'm gonna yeah. just go ahead and take another move and another yep. move and another move yeah yep and like so, so to get there you'll like do what you'll scouting party forward with rex and you'll take some standbys and then just you know anytime anybody acts you'll just start spending those standbys to move the the phase two unit with the hostage back towards you yeah Okay. It's, it's dirty. That's really good. It's very good. Yeah. It's really good. Just trying to make sure we actually walk that through before we move on. Yeah. Yeah. No, good point. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's hit, uh, let's hit bombing run. Oh, yeah. The air speeder's <laughs> new favorite. So you remember that card we were telling you you'd really want to bid hard for? Yeah. It's, it's this one. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's let's walk through how this actually works because it's not remotely clear from the text on the card. No, <laughs> I mean none of the objectives really are. No, I mean even even the old ones. Frankly, I have to. I still have to read sabotage to figure out who's blue. Like, does blue player pick him up or does red player pick him up? Uh, red repair. That's how you remember. Yeah, yeah. red repair, blue repair. Uh, whatever. Um. <laughs> not worth remembering. Yeah. Anyway, bombing run. So uh, you, you, you start three bombs in base contact with three different units in your deployment zone. Um, important in that you cannot deliver these with infiltrating unit shenanigans or recon intel shenanigans. Uh, also important in that there's no restriction on the type of unit that you can start a bomb in base contact with, and they start claimed. So... Um, even though if you look at the card, the, um, the claim action can only be done by trooper units, the drop action can be done by any unit. And there's no restriction when you initially place the objective marker about which unit you can, you can put it in base contact with. So, you know, your vehicles, your air speeders, your speeder bikes, your ATST if you want, um, your creature troopers, of course, uh, can start the game with bombs that are claimed. And if they can run those bombs towards your opponent's deployment zone and then drop them. They do not have to be trooper units. Um, they can't pick them up again, but usually that's not necessary. <clears throat> so this objective... Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, so the, the time that claim is most important is when your opponent attempts to drop a bomb on you. 
mm-hmm. you want to attempt to pick it up. I, I just like that's really what that clause is there for, yep. for the most part. Yeah, and um, which is why the, so there's two important things that are really sorry. There's two things that are really important with this objective. The first is units that are fast, right? Speed, because you can access. Uh, areas of your opponent's deployment zone that maybe aren't protected or, you know, you can get to places that you want to actually blow things up faster. Um, and uh, as far as a activation count is concerned, like if your opponent drops a bomb in the middle of your army and you don't have any units left to pick it up, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, you're just uh, dead. <laughs> so, you know, it helps to have like unactivated trooper units at the at the tail end of a turn so your opponent can't do that. Yeah, if if you've ever had five of your units all get maximum firepower at the same time, that's what this is like when it goes off. Yeah, it's pretty damn close. It's blast yeah. and it's impressive. And with three yeah. with three reds, with three reds and crit surge. Yeah. Wow. So, just it's a big deal if somebody gets that bomb off in the middle of your army. So activation count now matters even more. Because this bombing run thing, if you can drop a last on someone. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing about this card, honestly, is that it is an objective card that is also like the the biggest weapon upgrade you could ever give to like an airspeeder or a speeder bike. Or you know, like, or and it's or or, or a tauntaun, right? I mean, and it's and it's like air quotes free, right? Um, and so, you know, if if you could give an airspeeder or a tauntaun a droppable sab mine that rolled three red dice that surged to crit, um, how 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 many points would you be willing to pay for that upgrade? And I think the answer is a lot. Yeah, and also scored you a victory point when you dropped it. Yeah, also does it as a free action, <laughs> right? right? Al- also does it as a free action. Like, so, um, yeah, this card's insane. This is this is the card that you want to bid for, or yeah. bid against, if you don't have yes. units. Yeah. And, and that's fundamentally where I was trying to go earlier. Like, pe- people that, are, that want this card are going to be bidding hard, and the people that don't want this card... Uh, insert low activation clone list here um yeah you know like like i mean clones not only just like don't want to take damage generally but suppressive is terrible for them um yeah you, you just if this card gets you it gets you hard and there's not a ton you can do about it in a lot of situations um Yep. Yeah, I think I found my uh, fourth objective card for Luke Sabine, Tuppleton. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy good. Give Sabine and both Tons the bombs. And exactly, the, uh, and then have all the fast units. Yep. Yep. I mean, you want to get real dirty. You can, I suppose you could use, on, on your bombing run turn with Sabine, you could not only drop this bomb, but the other two bombs. Yeah. And get the speed one away from this bomb. Right. Uh, the detonation occurs at the end of the activation phase, which is very yeah. late in the turn. Mm-hmm. That that could do some real. I mean, not that like that card needs help. Uh, yeah, but you know, 
I guess you might just give it to Luke instead. I mean, if there was any unit to survive a, one of these bomb hits, Sabine would be the one since she has a really good save. Yeah. Yeah, now it is. There's one notable thing about this, which is that you can only detonate one bomb per end of activation phase. So you can't just like drop all three of them and then blow all three of them up and and win. And That'd win. be way too good. Just nuke your opponent's army. Yeah, it's, it's already good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think the first time that your opponent forces bombing run and they've got an air speeder on the table, and at the end of turn one they triple move it into the center of your army, drop a bomb, it goes off, they take no damage, and you roll three red dice against six of your units. You're gonna understand why this card is so good. Yeah, this really makes the air speeder. Yeah, I mean, so much better. Our speeders are very uniquely good at this particular objective. Yes, um, and rightfully so. They're the only thing that remotely should be able to do a bombing run in this game. Yep. Yeah, I'm trying to picture like a Tauntaun rider. Like you look at the miniatures for these bombs, like a Tauntaun rider somehow carrying this thing as he's like riding a Tauntaun. You know, I mean, these things are like they, they shouldn't be able to shoot, right? If they right. got one of these, <laughs> like, he's just. He's like bear hugging it as he's like, you know, riding the Tauntaun. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they got some kind of anti-grav thing going on, but these things are like the size of mini fridges and they also look very pointy and dangerous. So like... yeah. No, man, he just, he just strapped it to a, a sled and they're pulled behind. There you go. Um, there's one more important thing to note about Bombing Run, which is that, um, you know, your opponent can, can or you, uh, can detonate... Um, any bomb that was flipped to its unclaimed side, sorry, with the drop ability by a unit they control. So, like, what you can't do is, like, scope an opposing bomb carrier, make them drop that bomb, and then blow it up. No, That would be cool. It would be cool, but you can't yeah. do that. So, uh, your opponent could blow it up. I don't know why they'd want to do that, because usually um, <laughs> in that situation, you'd be blowing up your own dudes. But... Yeah, you're probably not anywhere near near scoring, so right. Um, I think it is important to note, and I don't think this is going to come up a lot because I don't think lists that are like gun lines are ever going to put this anywhere near their objective deck. But if you've got like a gun line list versus a gun line list playing this, it kind of just turns into a like breakthrough. Um, yeah, basically, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that that is I so with that analogy in place I think a lot of, if if your list is good at breakthrough it probably also wants bombing run. Yeah, I mean bombing run is what makes bombing run there's two things that make bombing run different from breakthrough. The first is that you there's breakthrough's end of game scoring bombing run is whenever you do it. Yeah. Um so it further emphasizes speed, but of course, you know, you can also cause damage when you do it. So um I'd say it's like a better breakthrough for lists that are already good at breakthrough. Yeah, the, uh, that's what I was attempting to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. It also worth noting. I think that there is value in using the bomb even like against a a cluster of enemies, even if you don't get a victory point out of it. Sometimes, mm -hmm. like there's definitely situations where you should do that. Um, and and likewise, um, if your list is bad at bombing run, you should get the hell away from your deployment zone as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, in a way that hopefully allows you to still prevent bombs from getting there. But 
Totally. But I mean, I think to some degree you might have to be like, okay, I kind of have to like seed the three victory points because there's nothing I can really do about it. So I've got to make my play on their three while also not getting bombed into oblivion. Um, Yep. Well, then it becomes even more like breakthrough, right? Because the armies kind of toilet bowl around each other. Totally. Totally. Uh, I I do think in a lot of situations, this plays out like breakthrough. Um, Yep. But it's just, it's just a lot more advantageous for whoever wanted it yeah well and importantly it's a separate objective card from breakthrough so you can now put this and breakthrough in your deck and have two cards that play to that particular strength breakthrough and mean breakthrough yeah breakthrough and mean breakthrough (laughs) (laughs) well man i'm gonna just go ahead and veto bombing run so i can play breakthrough against tauntauns yeah yeah i mean (laughs) i i sort of feel that way about all of these cards to some extent um they're all a little bit kind of like these these cards are definitely more laser focused like you should build a list to do this thing whereas everything else before you could kind of do everything um yeah you know agree so accurate all right um so the third objective uh you guys got anything else on bombing run no um third objective is payload yeah so we talked about this one a little bit on the cast before Okay. Luke. We did with Luke, yeah. Yeah. Which you should check uh, out if you haven't listened to that. Luke Eddy. That would, that would yeah. be the, one of the developers of Legion. So this is straight like payload out of the video game, you know. Yeah. Um, Team Fortress Overwatch. Um, it's literally that. Yeah. Which I think is cool. It's a fun concept for like an objective. Um, just as far as Legion is concerned, there's there's some important nuances to this one. Um, the order that things happen is important. So like blue player places their bomb cart, red player places their bomb cart, blue player picks a terrain piece for red player to go to, and then red player picks a terrain piece for blue player to go to. Um, so you're going to want your bomb cart to be kind of centrally located because if you put it like in a corner of your zone or something, your opponent is going to pick a terrain piece on the ass end of the board. <laughs> from where you put the bomb right. card. I mean, they're going to do that regardless of where you put it. You're just making it so that their choices are worse by putting it centrally. Right. Yeah. You you don't want to give them like an obvious choice if you can help it. Yeah. You want to give them at least two obvious choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so this is kind of a weird objective and it's not like intuitive as to how this is going to play out until you like... Essentially, either your paths intersect and this plays out like a slugfest or your paths don't intersect and you kind of toilet bowl around each other. Well, so I think, yes. But I think the second scenario you've described is just sabotage the moisture evaporators, basically. Yep. Kind it's of. A little, it's, it's a little bit less defensive. It's less defensive, yeah. Um, but it's it, for all intents and purposes, for like a gun line list, it's not that different. Um, Tons are going to be better at it because they've got Relentless. Um, stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so notably, none of the... So I made, a, I made an article for this, um, which should be out on the same day as this cast. Uh, I made a little grid that like highlights um, like which uh, 
which types of lists are good at, and bad at which of these objectives. Uh, spoiler alert, Tauntauns were not bad at any of them. <laughs> yeah. um, being fast and hard-hitting and tough is uh, universally good, it turns out. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so... This is not this is not like an objective that's bad for for gun lines. Um, force users are pretty good at this for the same reason that they're good at hostage. It's because if this devolves into a slugfest, that's that's kind of where they shine. I, and I think that um, you should intentionally. So the interesting thing about this, I, th- I in my opinion, is that you can. I think it, for the most part is either player kind of force a situation where they're going to intersect if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, does red player pick this last terrain piece? Yep. Um, so, so I guess red player has got a little bit more heft to that, but I think that you can orchestrate it in such a way that, you know, after you see where their cart goes down, you can be like, okay, I'm going to pick this terrain piece is where your cart is going to go and kind of make it so that your cart has to cross it. Um, and you can just be like, all right, well, if our paths cross and I have a saber and you don't like, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's super terrain dependent. Like if it's an open table, um, you know, you're going to be able to shoot a lot of the stuff off that cart uh, in theory to begin with. Yeah. But that's fair. Um, um, this is an objective where planning is the is the key. Yeah, and to that end, standbys are wicked good on this objective. Yeah, another another objective that's good for clones. Um, I don't know how much more there is. Do you guys know anything else about payload? I mean, just that you have to be really cognizant during your. Um, battle card phase. If this is going to come up, you really have to think about what the tracks are and what the given the deployment zones. What could your opponent pick? And you have to start try to guess what they'll pick given the deployment uh, zones. I I think the biggest thing that people need to be cognizant of is that you don't place your cart in a position where your opponent can choose a terrain piece that you can never get within range. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that there are situations where, you know, if you miss a, you know, if your opponent like makes you miss a, um, a a move or whatever, like, let's see. So a speed, how big are the carts? Do we know how big the carts are? They look like they're on small bases. It's in the, it's in the, um, in the RG, I think they're like ATRT size bases. Oh, really? Okay, that's much bigger. So they're roughly, they're roughly what, like three to four inches wide? No, that's that's like that's two, probably two. Yeah, it's it's closer to two. Okay, so they're roughly like two inches wide, and they get a speed two move. So that's mm-hmm. roughly eight inches a turn. So they only get a total of six moves. Yep. So what's that? 36 inches mm-hmm. so 3 feet so they can only move half the length of the table yeah that's another reason to put it yeah they're slow well, and it's important that if you pick a um, a 
you know, you know, something like Long March or, or something, you can kind of get screwed, I think. Cannot be within a deployment zone. No, Long March is not a, a good example of that. But like if you pick like advanced positions, you get really screwed if you put your cart in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd almost say Long March is good for them because you're kind of closed yeah. in. You sort but of like, cut the board down into a three by three. You know, similarly, if, if you're playing like advanced positions, danger close, which we haven't talked about yet, but we will talk about like all of those situations there, there are going to be weird places that if you put your cart, you will just not be able to score victory points. Yeah. You got to uh, deploy your cart. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's a 50 millimeter base, which is the, uh, the small one, the speeder oh, yeah. bike slash, um, the, the okay. base. So it's about two, two inches ish. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just be cognizant that, you know, I think I did my math wrong. Actually, thirty-six is six by six. It should be there. Should be another twelve inches on that. I think. Yeah. Regardless, like if you're on advanced positions, you're pretty much obligated to put the thing in in the corner of your deployment zone that's closest to your opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Because that way you have you have more options about where it can eventually go. Yep. Right. You can afford to miss a miss a thing. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, but this is definitely an objective where doing math is important. Yeah, figuring out exactly how long it's going to take you to get somewhere. Yep, and scoping. Um... Isn't that all of the objectives, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it kind of is. You're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a lot easier to like get towards the middle KP and get to range two of it and be like, okay, I'm good, you know, than trying to figure out back back how many turns you need to go to. Get your bomb cart to where it needs to go. Are you telling us that people need to be rocket science geniuses to figure this out? No, just so you need okay. to plan ahead a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, all right. That's a. You guys got any more things on payload? No, I'm good. All right. Let's. Uh, so I think the deployments and conditions will be faster, hopefully, than the objectives. So let's hit those. Um, uh, depends on how long we complain about them. But- <laughs> <laughs> let's try and let's try and maximize the strategy and minimize the complaining. Um, so da- danger close. Yeah. So this is a thing. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like a combination of disarray and battle lines. Uh, this this feels way more like advanced positions to me. In fact, it's exactly like exact advanced positions, except each person like. I guess it's it's not exactly. It's advanced positions flipped, and then each person gets a additional uh, range two deployment zone on the wing, and you don't get the scout move. Right. So it is. It's possible. You're right. It's most similar to advanced positions, uh, but I think. Uh, but it's also somewhat like disarray in that. You know, you could in theory have your force in two completely separate areas of the battlefield, um, and your deployment zone is like surprisingly accessible to your opponent if you leave one half of it open. Yeah, I mean, this card basically has secret mission pick me stamped on it. Yep. If you have secret mission on your list, you should have danger close in your list. Yeah, I agree um, with that. It's really strange because you're, you're almost like giving up most of your own board edge, so it kind of negates the advantage of being blue slightly. Yeah, that's another thing that we really have. I mean, I guess we can start talking about it because we're starting to talk about deployments. 
but these deployments really take like board construction as we kind of fundamentally know it and kind of throw it out the window um yeah <laughs> i i feel like you I know agree. not not that that's a bad thing i you know um I'm sure we'll talk about it in Relentless Rangers. I'm sure Brad and Nima have a lot to say about it. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, this objective specifically, their deployment is just... Uh, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, every game's going to be different. You yeah. know, it's 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 going to be more wild than Disarray, I think. I agree, yeah. Because at least in Disarray, you're still like in corners. Yeah, like you've got an idea of where your opponent's gonna go, but uh, I mean, I, I feel like blue player. It actually kind of, to some extent, sucks to be blue player because you're gonna like put a unit down and you're not gonna know if you want it there until like three or four deployments later. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you kind of have to. I mean, it's gonna depend on where the objectives end up, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it's not like disarray where you're forced to split up your force. But like if you if you commit to one side and then throw a couple of units on the other one and then your opponent commits to that other side, they're just gonna ice those units. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, so do you do you commit to being like super close? I mean, some lists are gonna love that, you know. Um, th- I think this this deployment um, may allow range two units to be a lot more viable. You know, you take a uh squad of fleet troopers with recon intel and all of a sudden you know <laughs> they can fire an enemy turn one um mm-hmm. you know realistically if if your opponent doesn't i mean like they can do that or your opponent is gonna box themselves out of a portion of their own deployment zone so you know uh, does that make range two units good eh, we'll see um but it, there's definitely going to be a lot more play to units like that with these, you know, with these deployments. It's also worth mentioning that, you know, if there's a force user in your opponent's list and you hang, you know, hang out in one of these wings, like, you know, good luck. Yeah, I mean, as the name suggests, this is this is going to be a strong objective for units that like to fight in close quarters. Would you say it would be closely dangerous? <laughs> I see what you did there. Where's that? Where's that rim shot? Uh, yeah, where's that rim shot drop? Where, where, rim shot drop. There it is. All right. Um, yeah. All, all I can yeah. think of is uh, no time for sorrows into a tauntaun charge. Seriously, yeah. though, like yeah. again, another thing that makes tauntauns good. <laughs> right. um, but but like yeah, turn one tauntaun charge, real thing. That's the thing and, on this. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Scouting yeah, if you're, playing, if you're playing like a gun line that wants to shoot things at range and also not be split up, you probably want to cut this. Yeah. And if you're forced into it, um, this is worse than Long March for you. Much worse. Much. <laughs> probably worse than because, Disarray. Because you're just on the back end of your table edge. And that's where you get to start. Yeah. So this is... <laughs> If if uh, if bombing run is mean breakthrough, this is kind of like mean disarray. Yeah, I I think for lists that don't want this, that are gonna get bullied by it, it's advanced positions. But the advanced position zone is halved. 
like just cut it down to range three from the corner instead of range six. Right. You know, yeah. and that's what you're deploying in. So have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a reason. This is a card to bid against if you, um, if you got a good line. I mean, one thing, one thing that we're seeing throughout these is that like, if you have a quote unquote gun line, a lot of these new cards are not good for you. Yeah. And, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, I mean, it, it definitely encourages other strat- other ways to play the game, which I don't think is ever a bad thing. The, the, the issue, and I think we've seen a little bit of it lately, is that when those strategies become so good, it m- makes things not super fun. How do you right, play because... with CIS? What's that? How do you play Danger Close as CIS? Uh, you hope your opponent doesn't have saboteurs? <laughs> or Tauntauns with Jammers? Yeah, because yeah. I'm just looking um, at this and I'm like, how do you, do you just cram all 40 droids into one pocket of the board? I mean, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Hope they don't have bombers, you know? <laughs> the, the good news is if you're a red player and you're CIS, you're not going to end up with both this and bombing run. Uh, that'd be real bad. I mean, there's a scene from New Hope where... Um, what is it? Han Solo literally sells three PO. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what do we do if they show up and this? And he says like lock the door and hope they don't have blasters. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's that kind of that kind of moment. All right. Yeah. Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. What's the next one, Kyle? Uh, that would be hemmed in. Mm. The probably most interesting deployment. Yes. Of the new deployments. Yeah, this is the first truly asymmetrical deployment. And only. First and only asymmetrical deployment. Yes. Yep. Um, so initially, I've had people be like, why would you pick this as a blue player? <laughs> okay. 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 Well, okay. Hold, on, hold, on. hold on. Hold <laughs> on. Can, can we go over what? Hold up. Shut up. It's, it's not it is, it, okay. It is, it is symmetrical from a geometric, like if you split it in half and fold it over itself. It is not symmetric in respect to what each player gets, which is what we definitely implied by what we're saying. And you are choosing to disregard. Sorry, I'm just. It's, it's symmetrical. Semantics, David, semantics. Okay. Uh, All right. Let's talk about this. Why is this good for blue player? And go. You start in the middle. <laughs> and? You start in the I mean, middle. That's, that's pretty huge, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I think, I think more importantly, your opponent does not start in the middle. Yes. Right. Um, and, which is probably a better way to say that. So as blue player, you start closer to the middle box. You start closer to the key position. Um you start closer to the hostage exchange. Um, the hot, your um, opponent's hostage basically starts in your deployment zone, and your hostage starts very close to your own deployment zone. Both of them are nowhere near your opponent's deployment zone. Um, <clears throat> you can, uh, uh, on payload you can make it very insanely hard. You can make it so that your opponent has to cross you. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's full of good stuff for blue player. Yeah. Like 
you know, the danger, potential danger of getting flanked um, is not as huge as you might think because your opponent has to actually split up their army for that, um, which is not usually good. And I think that's just grossly offset by like if if you're if you're including this card as blue player, you're loading your deck with things that involve fighting over the middle. Um, yes, like recover key, you know, all those things, hostage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just yeah, uh, and any objective where you want to fight over the middle of the board, which is a lot of them, because let's be real, the game would not be super interesting if there was not fighting over the middle of the board, um, you're advantaged on. Yep. It's also pretty easy to defend against secret mission on this deployment. Uh, depends. I mean, as blue, yes. As blue. As red player, as it's god-awful. Yes, as blue, yes. Um, as red player, your opponent's just going to pick what deployment zone you deployed less into and like go to town on that deployment zone. Yep. Uh, right. So... It's interesting. I sort of expected this card to have text on it, sort of like Disarray does, um, in that like you have to put a unit in each deployment zone as red, but you don't. You can opt to leave one empty. Yeah, you can just kind of put yourself in a corner. Yeah. But then you're uh, kind of giving up the notional advantage that red player has on this map. To be fair, yeah. you're not that far apart across the gap. It's only range two. So after one turn of movement, you can, you can close in and be in the center, but your opponent definitely gets a tempo advantage from starting closer. Well, so I think, well, well, you're actually, you're ranged, you're whatever the hypotenuse between a range three and a range two band is, which sure. is less than three, but more than two. Right. Or is it more than three? It's more than three. Sorry. Well, from the center, you're more than range two from the center as red. Yes. Um, and blue is range one from the center. Well, the question is, fundamentally what is the range between the corner of the red deployment zone to the corner of the, the the closest corner of the red deployment zone to the closest corner of the blue deployment zone it's range three because you can draw a straight line there it's range three yeah it's range okay. three yeah which is pretty close right, right. Like you, you do start pretty close to each other in this deployment but blue just i mean blue starts a good like eight inches closer to the middle um, it's like a lot, <laughs> so um, that would require doing the hypotenuse. But isn't it actually shorter than range three? Uh, and so here's the thing: I think you're looking at the the closest corner of the blue deployment zone as the left hand corner or the right hand corner. Uh, it's actually the top left or the top right. Oh, I see what you mean. And, and I'm pretty sure that the top left or the top right is actually like two point something range wise away from the corner of that red deployment zone. Yeah, you're right. It's it's hypotenuse of range two and range three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and anyways, point being, yeah. um, range it's actually they're actually very close together. Yeah. Um, so. The yep. square the range is the square root of thirteen. <laughs> 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 Do Pythagorean theorems? <laughs> so, remember, rocket scientists, math. This that's a thing in this game. 
the square root of range eight. That's what it is. All right. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, whatever that is. All right. Uh, so that's hemmed in. Um, actually, a pretty good objective for blue. Uh, great for droids who like to be all clustered up anyway. And now they can start closer to the center. Yeah, this is like the death balls paradise. So like anytime you have like a CIS list or a clone list who wants to be at a ball and do all that cool stuff with token sharing or order sharing or anything like that, this is this is the objective for it. This is what blue blue is a dream. Yep. Yeah, and again, also worth noting it's much better for units that like to be close. Um, like Tauntauns or fleet troopers and things like that. Yep. Shotgun clones, you know. Yep. Captain Rex, we won. All right. Last. Anything else on Hemden? Um. Be careful. Like it's good to be towards the middle objective. Sometimes you're not going to want to deploy all the way up. (laughs) Um, specifically for the reasons we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know. Um. It's it's kind of like the this deployment can end up being a little bit like the trap that is scout sometimes. You should treat you know scout sometimes should just read don't don't use this keyword right. Um, sometimes you may not want to actually use that forward part of the deployment zone. So. Yep. All right. So roll out. Meh. I mean, this is basically long march with uh, vehicles can deploy a little bit forward. I mean, great. I mean, I, that's good for vehicles, I guess. Uh, I don't know that you want to be like forward of the rest of your army with a vehicle, though, for the most part. I mean, I think that this objective is really quite good for AATs. Or deployment is really good for AATs. Um, just because you can kind of put them where you want them and then they just get to sit there the whole game. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, it's kind of just like Lawn March 2.0. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I can see a world where this is good for bikes. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I'm not really sure how creative you can get with this, with this objective. I think your vehicles just end up closer to them for them to shoot most of the time. Yeah. Right. It kind of falls into that same, like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So that's how I feel about it. Other than that, it's kind of uninteresting. Well, it's interesting in that, you know, it's having too long to uh, what is functionally two copies of long march in your deck is interesting. that is to say it's not (laughs) wow okay all right let's how about we move on to the conditions jeez uh all right now speaking of interesting these are interesting these are very interesting uh let's leave the most interesting one for last um and start with the least interesting one which is still pretty interesting uh fortified positions more barricades so uh, this one allows you to put eight barricades down on the table, four, four barricades per person. Um, has to be inside your deployment zone or within range one to two. 
I think the biggest deal with this card is the ramifications it has for tournaments that are already trying to do this without this card being in people's decks. Yeah, I mean, that hasn't really been a thing for a couple tournaments now because terrain has been better. That's fair. I think that right now you're more apt to see that sort of thing at like a local tournament. Yeah, RPGs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like it started as an informal rule and then it kind of, you know, now they've stolen it and turned into a battle card. Yeah, I mean, like the first year at LVO, like that was a thing. Yeah, that was a rule. That, you, you, yep, you, that was a rule, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and don't get me wrong, it was really cool. But the way that the rule was set up as far as tournaments go, it made it a little bit awkward. Um, this is great. This is awesome. But yeah. you also now can't do that as as like a like if you don't have enough terrain, like that's not a thing you should be doing anymore. Right. This, the expectation with this card is that you already have enough terrain. Correct. You know, um, this this is not designed to make up for a crappy table. No. Great for rebels, though. Is it? I, I mean, don't know. You guys are always complaining about heavy cover. So I no, no, no. We're complaining about lack of line of sight blockers. Look, man, we can't give you line of sight blockers to put on the table. So this is what you get. So I, I demand a solid wall right off the center. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, heavy cover is better than no cover, but heavy cover is significantly worse than not getting shot at all. Yeah. So, <laughs> give them an inch and they take a mile, guys. <laughs> Says no, I mean this is this player. is good for this is good for rebels and CIS. I don't think it's particularly bad for any any type of list. No, no, this is a generally pretty good card. I think you do need to be careful where you put the barricades. Um, you don't want to make it so that you restrict your movement a ton. Um, so keep that in mind. Yep. Um, this makes low profile even worse. How dare you? So, I'm not sure that statement is. Fair. It's useless. It's useless. There's so much heavy cover. So here's the issue, fundamentally. Okay. That, and we're gonna. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but just because you said it, let's let's go down a little bit. Okay. People do not use area terrain that it, which is generally light cover. Well, they should like at all in this game, and they should. And if we were in a in a world where that was a thing. Low profile would be a lot more meaningful. Yes. Yeah, agree. Um, all right. Anything else to say about fortified positions? Now we're going to live in a world where eight, there's eight additional barricades and heavy, you know, it's just heavy cover abounds. <laughs> there's going to be sometimes eight extra barricades. That's right? true. What lists don't want this? Um, vehicles. Lists that don't get heavy cover from barriers. Yeah, Tauntauns, vehicles. Some vehicles um, get cover. I would say heavy RT lists, maybe. No, nah, RTs don't want that. Like, RTs don't want it. Cause the, well, lists that have uh, a lot of snipers. Yeah. I mean, now that's most lists have snipers these days, but um, barricades are bad for snipers. Snipers rely on those light down to none or open cover shots. It, I mean, it's notable. You can do some like cool stuff with this. You can like surround your moisture evaporators with barricades so that you like 
can touch them and still be defended, you know. Um, right. Just, you know. I don't know. So. All right, we can move on. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, we're weary. <laughs> Is that you getting force choked? <laughs> uh, sure. That sounded more like um, vomit. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Uh, I did. I did what I could. Why is he vomiting? Um, Commander Vader's like yes, or actually more, he's like no, because <laughs> it reduces his bubble to minimum of one. <laughs> yeah. If, Thanks if, for that. If you have one commander, and especially if that one commander wants to push up, this is very bad. Yeah, this is horrible for you. I don't like any of what this card is doing. It's, I mean, range one is really short. Yeah. So, really short. Notably, this makes Iden like pretty good. It's better load up on Courage, too. Because you can draw the bubble from Dio. Oh, that's true. You can't draw the bubble on Dio. Yeah, it increases your area. Uh, I'm not sure she wants it. <laughs> well, you can also, you know, with either Covert Ops, you can infiltrate Iden or Cassian and then nominate like a trooper unit and then make your bubble bigger um, with that trooper unit. Like well, if you do unit of death troopers, you know, you need a bigger bubble for the same reason that Dio makes it a bigger bubble. Sure, sure. Sorry, I thought you were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes you're right. The objective um, even tells you what to do. Or sorry, it tells you what to do. Troopers must look within for the courage to carry on. <laughs> to look within for the courage. Yeah, you need to load up on courage too. All right, so let's let's talk let's talk about lists that are that this is good for. Uh, phase two clones. Clones. Stamp. Stamp. End of story. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> phase two is. In yeah. If you if you if you run at a clone Overwatch list, you probably have what like two to three courage one units. Yeah, if that maybe maybe. Um. There's lists the are... out there with zero phase ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. So yeah, clones should be taking this. Um, Tom, Tom, let's because you have you know your three naked core units, and those are your only courage oh, one courage units. One and they're... Troopers. Wonderful. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know who hates this is Empire. Yep. Yep. A lot of courage, one spam in Empire. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, most Empire lists are only rocking three to four courage one units these days. Fair, fair. Courage two. I thought they yeah. were rocking six because it was three shores and three mortars. I know like, mortars are courage two. <laughs> yeah, mortars are courage two. Um, so no, these courage one units are really important though. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, no doubt. You know, um, if you're running like a, yeah, no, no, yeah. Um, this is real bad for droids. Yes, this is terrible like for it's, droids. It's for starters, you probably only have one commander. Yep. Um, and secondly, like it's physically just straight up difficult to fit fifty droids within a range of one of a single unit. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you only have to. They don't have to all be in there. Yeah, yeah. You can cohere yeah, like that. Six of them right. in range one. But that's still like super awkward for positioning and a million other things. Well, there's no doubt. Um, yeah. It's and yeah. You're gonna lose yeah. one of those eventually. Like what? Eventually, they're gonna wander away. Like especially with Grievous. Let, let's just take Grievous, right? There's gonna be a point where Grievous has to dive to do his stuff. And then his bubble yeah. off your army. No, and that's in that case, at least with Grievous, you're probably running strict orders, so you're probably relying on that anyway to keep your courage, you know, below two. Right, to keep things afloat. Um which is somewhat reasonable. I actually think this is much worse for Dooku. Yes. Because you're often if you're running Dooku solo, you're often not running strict. Um and uh yeah, range one's really short. <laughs> yeah. Really short. And when you have to go in to, to do something, you can't stay with your army usually. Um, it's also very worth noting that Force Push becomes... Force Push and Mind Trick all get way better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you can pull a unit out of that range and then Mind Trick them. Yeah. As if it wasn't gross enough. Yeah, yeah. it's even more gross. <laughs> And in the meantime, yeah. your entire army is like two plus because you're only running three naked cores. Yeah, so this is one card that you got to think real hard about. Um, yeah, whether you this want it. Or not. This is also a card you're bidding for if you want it. Yep. Unless yeah, I think you definitely can can bid for War Weary. Yeah. Is this the most impactful condition? By a long shot, yes. Hostile environment uh, probably is the next most impactful. This. Limviz, yeah. I, I strongly think that the next condition is actually more impactful. Well, it's it's more impactful, but it's it's also more easily beneficial to both players. Yes. We can talk about that. We okay. Can, we, can t- we can have that conversation. All right, well, let's let's have that conversation. Yeah, so the it. last one is Supply Drop. Yeah, and we're going to need to spend half an hour just describing Yeah, because there's a, a whole <laughs> thing. Well, we don't, we don't need to get into, like, all the cards. Um... I mean, we can if you want to, but I think, like, they're good. That's that's the TLDR. The cards are useful. Summarize it though. They're they're good and they're also random. Um. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about what the cards. Yeah. Let's just yeah. Let's start from the beginning. So, similar to Minefield, you put down a bunch of tokens on the board. Except these don't blow up. These you can open up and like draw a thing that gets added to your unit for free It's a free action. So things you can get out of the bag, low profile, um, treat one capacity one, you turn into a medic scale, uh, hunter, but always on is long, uh, always on once essentially. Um, <laughs> free dodge token when you're getting attacked. Uh, you can gain marksman, which is not very good. Marksman, and then wants. yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, you become a a repair droid, arc welder. Um, or you can essentially have HQ uplink to yourself or something else at range one. Yeah, that's one time. Pretty awesome. One time. So it's it's. Uh, a couple of these things are most of the stuff is like one time use 
the field scanner, which gives you a dodge token, and the precision scopes, which gives you an aim token, are recoverable. Um, I think the most important cards in this whole shebang are the hollow projector, which gives out an order, the field scanner, which allows you to get a dodge reactively, and uh, grapnel harpoon, which gives you scale. I think those are the three we need to talk about. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're all extremely good. They're all extremely good, and more notably, they all, at least in my mind, can fundamentally change how a unit operates. For instance, grapple harpoon on a unit with steady or relentless can get pretty nutter butters. Um, anything that you know, scale scale kind of changes the game. It's really good on Grievous. You know, hop to the top of a wall, shoot. You can now on any unit that has grapple harpoon, um, move, clamber, shoot, and then use your second action to move back down. Yep. I mean, it's only it's only one use, but yes, it's it's only one use. But a lot of times, like that's all it takes. Yep. You know, um, so that's important. Um, field scanner while defending against a ranged attack during the apply dodge and cover step, gain one dodge token. Okay, this is just force reflexes. Um, that's not master of the forcible, but when you actually need it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's reactive. It's reactive force reflexes. Yeah. yeah, this is what force reflexes, in my opinion, should have been. Um, but maybe it shouldn't have been because it would have been broken. Yeah, AF. Been uh, um, on like Commander Luke, this is just as good, if not better, because he then just gets it back when he recovers. Yep. This this card is like if, if you've got a force user, this card is stupid. Um, so you have a one in eight hollow. chance of drawing this. Yeah, it's not bad chances, especially because you get to mine the box as a free action and potentially multiple times. Right, so like your chances actually increase. Right, not only mind. that, but once, right, once cards come out of it and they aren't the field scanner, you like all of a sudden know that you've got a pretty good chance of drawing. Right now, I got a right? one in four. Right, so like, you know, you if you if you know what's in the if you've like counted cards in the supply deck because everything that comes out of the supply deck is a limited and b face up like nothing's hidden information once it comes out so like you can have a good idea of what you're likely to draw if you are, are mining it properly well, so and you actually get two picks when you pick one up you, you draw right. two cards and you draw choose one and go back one. yeah yeah. So it, it's notable. Sorry, we didn't mention this. There are 16 cards in the supply deck. There are two copies of each, I think, yep. right? Oh, okay. So that's, um, a lot, that's a lot worse than to draw. Well, I mean, it's it's still one out of eight if you haven't drawn anything out of it. True. To draw something, right? So you're still at a 12.5% chance to draw what you want. Now that's assuming nothing has come out. Um, but as a free action, like, okay, maybe I didn't get my field scanner on luke but i get my hollow projector which you know allows him to issue an order to himself when it's sabine's one pip you know like i mean there 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 are lots of good things in here to take oh i'm sorry i gave my force user treat one capacity one on himself as a free action like not bad yeah not bad at all you know so like it'd be really um, worth having the hero or like luke or some other strong unit mine these for a specific card 
rather than your yeah. bog standard troopers. Like, oh man, it really sucks that I can give my force user low profile now. Um, yeah, thanks. Calculate odds. Yeah, right. Yeah, like so you all of a camouflage sudden, and three PO is calculating to him, and he gets heavy cover. <laughs> right. He, you know, you don't have to worry about keeping him behind a barricade or something. Uh, you know, you can, you can just kind of like all of these cards are extremely useful to powerful units in this game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will say that there are like some lists just don't want to draw the arc welder because they don't have anything to repair. Although the fact that there is a ton of droid troopers around now it changes that a little bit. Um, like. I think the worst one actually in here might be targeting rangefinder. Yeah, um, marksman is it's super unit dependent. It's, it's like good for a sniper strike team to pick up, but it's one use. You only get to use it once. I don't. I don't know. Um, and, and it doesn't give you the aim token that you need to use it. Yeah. So. Right. So you have to take an take an action and even make it useful. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <sighs> But like precision scopes, you know, recoverable um, ability to just gain a name token. Uh, short troopers want this all the time, especially if they're paired with beers. You know, DTs love this. Like, I don't, every unit loves this, but there are clearly some units that like it more than others. Um, I guess that's kind of my point. Like, if it's it's a super fun and interesting and impactful condition, but it's not like specifically disadvantageous for any type of list in the same way that some of these other ones are. I don't know. I sort of think B1s hate this objective. Kind of? Like, like I, I feel like droid armies hate this. I mean, a lot of these are useful on B1s. They're fine. Like a dodge token on a B1, meh. Yeah, Aim token welder. on B1, like, fine. Arc welder, okay, I put a six-point droid back. Like, It's still a wound. Know. Sure, but like in comparison to the the benefits that your opponent is likely to get out of this, yeah, which I think is the real conversation that we need. Like, is it is it beneficial to both sides? Likely, but is it equally beneficial to both sides? Is the question, and I, and I think that in a lot of cases the answer to that is a resounding no. And there's a little bit of luck that's going to go into that, no doubt. Um, but I think that the games where supply drop is good, it can break the game. I mean, you get some really powerful combinations, right? Yes, you, you can. Yeah, I don't think it's just it's not as consistently like debilitating as like War Weary or some of these, you know, like Bombing Run. If you have a specific list type, right? You're only gonna get you're only gonna get three of these because by I mean, the time you get your three, your opponent probably got their three. What do you mean? Because you get to mine each one twice. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, it, it definitely is helpful to have units that have scout or infiltrate, so you can start that process earlier. Yeah. So, so if and notably, you can mine your opponent's ones too. So right, that's like, what I meant. It, if so, if if there, are, if all of the boxes get used all of the times, there will only be four cards left in the deck at the end of the game. Oh, I see. Okay. So you're also hoping your opponent and, doesn't draw into what you want. Right. So and you're drawing from the same deck, which is also relevant. Yeah. But so if, if you've got infiltrate and you drop on your opponent's boxes and stuff, you can straight up steal them. The other thing is that any unit that ends its turn in base contact with a box should 
also immediately mine the box at the start of their next activation. So it doesn't really cost you anything to double mine it because it's a free action. You just go move, move, end your turn on the box, mine it, and then the beginning of your next turn, you mine it and then do whatever you're I'm reading this, and how do you double mine it? Because you only flip it once. You flip it, and then the second time it's mined, it's removed. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. All right. Those three, those three little words. Otherwise, remove it. Okay. Right. Interesting. Yep. So basically, each time you touch a box with a unit, you're going to get two upgrades. Oh, that's crazy unit. good. Yep. Yeah. So like you're like, okay, double move with Luke. Mind the box once. You essentially get four draws at the things you want, and you get to keep two of them. So hope you get the field scanner, <laughs> or hope yeah. you get the low profile I mean, one. Totally. Um, unclear if you can take the same upgrade twice. There's so many good ones for Luke. Holy moly. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I'm using Luke as, like, a kind of catch-all for generic force user that has deflect. There's really you know, only, I mean, like, three duds for him that I can... Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's really good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's real it's, good. It's really good, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Huh? Well, I know what I'm replacing limited viz with. Limited, uh, yeah, totally. Because I hate limited. Let's viz. wrap. I hate up. limited. Kyle's, Kyle's giving us the motion. He's like, "Wrap this shit up, dudes. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's finish like, this conversation about about this card that I've said nothing about, really." Because he knows we can theory craft about this forever. I mean, it's such I mean, an it's such an open ended. I, I love it. It's it's so open ended. Um, it specifically benefits units that infiltrate because you can get into the boxes faster or steal your opponents, which I like. Um, Cassian. I mean, it's 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 like a. I think this is the most interesting condition. Yes, it's varied. Yeah, we like variants. It's different every time. I I actually think that it is probably not that different. I think that a lot of the times that you can. Like the things that are good out of this thing are generally the same things. Yeah, like some of the supplies are better than others, and it's getting early draws is going to be even if you're not like stealing your opponent's boxes, getting early bites at the apple is going to be better. Yes, because so. eventually they're just going to be like arc welders and yeah, range finders. And all the all the yeah. crap is going to be left. <laughs> right. The real feel bad, I think, is when you draw two cards and they're the same thing. Yeah, that's gonna suck. <laughs> like two arc holders. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, all right. No. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's. I think it's great. I think. I can't think of a list that specifically wants to cut this. There's probably a lot of lists that want four other conditions before they want this, and there's quite a few that specifically want to include this. Uh, this thing seems like a very vanilla thing to just kind of leave in there if you don't have a lot of choices. Yeah. All right. Um, anything more about vital assets? Uh, I guess bring your calculators. <laughs> Going to need calculators and protractors. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this is, I mean, people will get the hang of it, but it's going to slow things down a little bit initially. Yeah, I mean, I think the... The one thing that I would really like to say, 
specifically to tur- tournament organizers is please allow your players some extra time to set up their games and build it into your schedule at least for the first couple months of vital assets being a thing um or try to these cards significantly increase setup time yeah almost universally yes Either because they're mad confusing, like Danger Close, where you're not even sure what situation you're in until halfway through deployment, and then you have to like come up with a game plan on the fly, or because there's just like a lot of things that need to happen because you got like advanced positions with supply drop with you know uh, what's like hostage exchange or you know, payload. Like it, it just it's a lot of stuff going on. Yep. And and you know, if you can build an extra fifteen minutes into a round for setup, I highly recommend doing so. Um, at least until people get used to what's going on. Um agree. All right, well yeah. yeah. Um so that was vital assets. Uh hopefully we'll get it in May sometime. Um, in the meantime, um, yeah, get some more painting done. I mean, I'm working on my 48 battle droids. Nice. Maybe they'll be done by the time this thing, whatever it is, is over. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm to the point where I'm basically just, you know, I've, I've done the airbrushing, so I'm essentially just washing them and, and dry brushing them. So I don't think it'll be too bad. The basing is yep. going to take the longest. So on the basing front, I got to say it blew my mind. That you do that afterwards what's that the basis yeah uh i mean i have to because if i'm painting with an airbrush i i, I know yeah I, I, get, I get that i just like it didn't even occur to me it didn't fathom like i didn't even fathom that that yeah yikes okay i mean even it when hurt, it, it hurts my soul <laughs> Even even <laughs> when i even when i do normal painting i, I do it as the last step because i don't yeah. like to like i get paint on the on the basing material by accident sometimes yeah same so like uh, when i paint shoes i'm always like outside the lines like i'm just gonna paint over this anyway yeah exactly um all right well let's close this thing out uh happy painting everybody Um, yeah we are the notorious scoundrels i'm kyle i'm mike and i'm david stay fresh cheese bags Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. 